everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. So I'm now it's recording. Hi, eCommunity. Welcome to the live podcast uh, with the Ecolonomic Action Team. Our usual host, Dr. Wayne Dorbin, is taking care of some business today, and hopefully he'll be joining us uh, later for this conversation. So, but to let you know uh, who's with me, Sam Kolf. I'm sorry. I had practiced this. Kovalyov. Did I get it? Sam Kovalyov. Perfect. From the uh, from Haven Wellness is joining us today, and he's going to share his uh, story. We're really looking forward to hearing about his family's adventures. And uh, but first, I want to remind everyone what the Economic Action Team is about. So our guests represent a wide range of backgrounds. Uh, and expertise, including environmental activists, sustainability professionals, entrepreneurs, academics, and community leaders. So the Institute of Economics was founded in 1980 by Dennis Weaver, an actor and environmental activist. Uh, and his goal was to promote sustainable and ecologically sound economic practices. And that is one of the reasons why Sam is here with us today because his family's journey is was uh, took the American dream and turned it on its head, and you created your own dream, right, Sam? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's an interesting story. Um, it, it's been an interesting journey over the years. Uh, but yeah, I, in 2012, uh, my family and I moved off the grid in upstate New York and kind of took that plunge into um the, like embracing the unknown and what can we really build for ourselves and do for ourselves and how can we live in harmony with the land in the way that we feel is integrity in integrity with our values uh and yeah we we it, we spent the next um few years building all sorts of structures and a massive garden area and um He's learned so much about uh, just the way nature, our interconnection and interdependence with nature. Um, and yeah, so, so, you know, eventually in 2015, we incorporated as a nonprofit. We turned that, that location that we were living in into an education center and we began inviting uh, interns in and volunteers to come and stay with us and learn from us and, uh, and yeah, so that's that's the Camp Haven project. It's still operational there in Livingston Manor. Um, and uh, that led into us hosting community events and really integrating with the local community, uh, which is, you know, a key component of our philosophy. Our, we have a three pillar approach. Um, so it's the health of the individual, the health of the community and the health of the environment. And so uh, when we started really interconnecting with the community, and um, seeing what was needed in the community, we recognized that, uh, yeah, thank you for, for sharing. This is, this is the, the website. Um, uh, we realized that 
there was a, a really a desperate need for clean food in our community. Um, and although there were a lot of farms in our area, it was, uh, you know, it was difficult to find food because all the farmers would sell their food at, uh, you know, the, the bigger marketplaces in New York City. And so uh, we decided to start a buying club and, and buying wholesale produce from different farmers and markets and, and, and selling it. And then that grew eventually into us opening Haven Market, which is the, the second center that we opened. Um, so, so yeah, it's just been a, a wild ride. And um, we're just really excited about the future and everything that we're building. And now the nonprofit is really uh, looking at these centers as uh, blueprints because we, we have a, a global vision to create these types of centers all around the world to help people solve problems within their communities and integrate with the local environment and uh, help people get healthier at the same time. So um, yeah, all about education and, and wellness education. Uh, and we want to make that fun and enjoyable for people. That's why we created these experiential centers. Uh, we realized that that's just the best way to learn, you know, by immersing yourself in it. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. So you, you shared that in about five minutes and made 10 years sound incredibly easy, but I, right. It just sounded like smooth and easy, but really this is oh. not an easy project. And so I'm kind of curious to know, like, what's the inspiration? Like what was the inspiration to, uh, to shift into um, living off grid? What was the, uh, and, and what were some of the challenges you all faced? Like as you came, as you did this, because a lot of times I think one of the things we like to share is like the real, the real stories, because it's really about people's um, creativity in overcoming challenges, because we're still taught you started this when people were just starting. So there wasn't a lot of resource. So another question to add on there is like, what would you uh, have wanted people to share with you? Like, when you when you started like oh now i know yeah <laughs> if only great. if only someone had told me this oh. yeah great questions i mean uh the inspiration i was in college um well i'll start in high school i i didn't i didn't um enjoy the structured approach to school at all ever um, I, I didn't like waking up at a, you know, uh, with my alarm clock and having to make sure that my things were done by deadlines. And um, finally, uh, homeschooled myself through sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school, um, and ended up graduating early, getting into an amazing college early, and realized that it was really just structured and kind of the same way that the high school approach was, and. Um, I, I wanted something more organic, something more that, you know, if I could listen to my body and, and feel how I wanted to, to approach things. Um, so I, I went home kind of like disillusioned from all of what I thought, you know, school was going to be and my professional career was going to be, um, as a graphic designer. And, um, I started researching, like, the thought came to me, like, I, I'm in school so I can get a good job, so I can make lots of money, so I can pay for things I don't believe in and really, like, don't value, you know, the, the unsustainable way that we were living at the time in 
in New Jersey and, um, you know, unsustainable house that we were in, the, the ma massive electric bill that we had all the time. Like I was just starting to get plugged into how wasteful we were really being uh, as a family, the way we were living in, in New Jersey. And um, so I started researching, like, how can we lower our expenses, not increase the amount of money we're making so we can pay for more stuff, but like, how can we actually like reduce the amount that we need, become more minimalist and I didn't even know the word minimalist at the time, but just reduce the amount that we needed um, and, and be able to provide more of our comforts for ourselves. You know, I was learning about solar energy and reading a little bit about the new technology that was coming out. And honestly, like when I started doing research on it, I was really amazed to see how many people from like the 70s and 80s had had done similar things to this and documented their journeys and had gone off the grid and built greenhouses and uh, so I felt like, wow, this is the, like the prime opportunity right now. Like we have so much information about how to do this. We have so much technology coming out to make it easier to do this, like to actually make it kind of comfortable while you're doing it. Cause that's everyone's fear is like, I don't want to be uncomfortable. You know, I, I can only handle so much living in nature, you know, and um, there's really ways of making it super comfortable nowadays. And that's, you know, what we learned and, um, I guess a big thing that I wish somebody would have told us is like um, to, to, to get more consulting along the way uh, because we call ourselves professional amateurs, my brother and I, we, uh, we research a lot online. We, we watch a bunch of YouTube how-to videos to make sure we kind of know what we're doing. And then we are the construction crew, the designers, the, the architects, like everything we, we design and build everything. And, and, you know, we got to, um, we had this massive vision for our welcome center, which is still under construction. Um, and for, to have a bunch of little tiny homes available on site as well for, for us to live in and to kind of show people what living in a tiny home is like. Um, and all of this is still very much under construction in, in upstate New York. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're seeking the support and the funding to, to help us really take that vision into reality because what we were able to do ourselves was amazing. You know, and we were uh, with our own two hands and our and just our like, you know, um, like the, the planning we were able to do uh, built incredible structures and and like, but the amount of headache, like to your point, the, the struggle that it took, the not knowing, um, you know, so like what kind of wood to get, you know, what, what kind of insulation uh, to get like everything that we, you know, you take for granted when you hire people to kind of do work, building work for you. They, they just say like, this is the best stuff on the market. This is what you want to be using. Don't, don't use that stuff over there. Um, we learned like a lot of that stuff is marketing and sales tactics and like that they don't take into consideration sustainability and like eco-friendliness when they tell you they're the best in the world, you know? So it's like, we have, we have different values than, what is being pushed out there in the, in the marketplace. And we had to really do research on every little component of what we were buying and, and uh, finding people to partner with that were also like-minded and, uh, you know, eco-friendly, uh, non-toxic materials and things like that. Um, like, I, I really, I really wish we had more uh, consulting up, uh, up front of like a person that, that we could have had support us um, because we have, we, we still have this beautiful vision of what the property could be. And, um, and we're just working our way there every day. Um, 
and we, you know, with the help of interns and volunteers, um, which is something we also thought, we thought no one would really be interested in supporting us until like the, everything was built and the prop, like the, the property was fully established. And what we learned is that people are actually really interested in supporting the building process and like learning what it's like to, to get their hands dirty and build something for themselves and grow their own food and, and, you know, be in a, in a community where their, uh, their dreams are being supported in that way. They can build, you know, the things that they want to build. Um, so, so yeah, it's, 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 uh, we kind of, uh, we, we shifted gears at one point from like, we have to get everything built and get everything done to like, we love our community and we just want to, we, we really want to support our community and uh, in having interns and volunteers and working with them to build out what they wanted and in their, in their minds and their vision, we kind of slowed down what we were building and in, in our vision because we wanted to be more inclusive. Um, so yeah, it was, it's just, uh, it's been a, a, an amazing journey. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if I answered all your questions in there, but um, no, yeah, it's the, super. No, you know, you're doing great. You're actually, you you shared something in there um, about how you were. The, one of the inspirations was you wanted to do something that felt more in alignment with your natural body rhythms and being yes. a, in alignment with with nature. And you were talking about um, values, and what I heard you talking about was a values reset. And I'm curious about. Uh, two two kind of components of that like when you started so when you come like how did you include your family in this is the conversation around the kitchen table like hey let's everybody you know let's shift um, you know was it quick like everybody's like yes or you know did it take some time and then as your shift and then what was the transition like when you know how did that feel to kind of I'm going to use the word detox from, you know, from the, from the grid, I guess when you're going off grid, I guess there's like, cause it's, it's um, fasting time. It's cleansing time in, in the, mm-hmm. in the fall here in this part of the country. So I'm kind of thinking about detox on the, got on the top of my mind. So, yeah. So play with that for a little bit, share, share yeah. some inspiration there. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely a detox period, I, I will say, um, you know, uh, the, the transition, a lot of it is like, um, there's a lot more noise than we even realize that we're experiencing. And when I mean noise, I mean like electromagnetic noise, like, like there's a lot more affecting us in a city environment than we are cognizant to, than we're aware of at any given point. And if we, uh, like a common thing that we saw when people come to visit us is they, the first night they sleep for like 14 hours. That was like almost everybody that comes to visit, they, they would, for some reason, their body feels like, ah, this is where I can rest. This is where I can, you know, really recharge. And, you know, we're only at like uh, a little over 2000 feet in elevation. So it's not like there's an oxygen, you know, issue that would make them want to sleep that, that long or anything. It's, it's really just that, um, in my mind, what, what I've come to realize is that there's no electricity. You know, we can, we can turn it all off at the end of the night. We can turn off the, the electricity and it's actually off. And the only, 
the only resonance, the only vibration or frequency that you're experiencing is coming from the earth. And we don't, we don't have that in our modern society. Like we're, you know, hundreds of Wi-Fi signals on top of each other, you know, televisions running at the same time, you know, we, we're just uh, cell phone signals going all at the same time, you know? So it's like, um, all of these things are affecting our electromagnetic, um, you know, the way we feel on a daily basis. Um, and th there's you know, like, I do, I've never slept better than up there and, you know, in, in the woods, being able to shut everything off, uh, and, and just, just be in, in nature. So, yeah. Um, the, the, the transition, like the, the, what, what usually ends up happening is like, you know, after that period, energy levels start going up like crazy, you know, and, um, we want to be more active. Like we really notice that like a lot of the, I have to go to the gym. I have to exercise. Like, Oh, I have to, it became like, Hey, let's go for a run. Let's go see what's over there. Oh, I heard a, a bird. Like, you know, like, like it just became more natural to want to be active, to want to explore, to want to use our bodies. Um, and that's what we started realizing. We're like, wait a second. Like when we're in this environment, we don't compartmentalize everything and make it like we play over here and we work over here and we exercise over here. We're just like doing one thing and it feels like play and we're being productive at the same time. And we're moving our bodies in the best shape of my life, building, you know, like this was a year and a half ago, you know, like building all these things and being out in the sun. And um, it really clicked that all these things were a holistic um it's a, like a holistic activity, a holistic way of living our lives that makes makes us feel more at ease, more in alignment. And that's why I talk about harmony, because it's like it's a feeling of harmony. It, and I, it's hard to explain to, to people that haven't you know, been in a in a environment where you can actually like disconnect completely um, for a few days, because it's like the how in tune we get with what we're feeling and what's going on with us uh, when we're in that environment is just, it's unlike being um, anywhere else. Like there's your, the thought clarity, the, um, and, and I, I guess I'm kind of like talking about it. Like it's just going to that location that kind of did that, but it's, it's not, it's the uh, embracing what it means to be, sovereign and be uh in interdependence with nature and to be able to actually you know use things that nature is giving you as a tool and to thank nature for for that tool and to not uh overuse and or or to be wasteful in that way it's like a privilege to be able to be as minimalist as possible and like still have fun and and uh experience like this amazing experience in nature and not have to harm nature in any way just to to have your fun you know it's like we were we were able to really like and and through the years we started having bigger and bigger events because we were like wait um having a holistic experience that where we are paying attention to like what 
what kind of uh, products are we using? Like, are, are they eco-friendly or, you know, uh, like styrofoam and things like that that are traditionally used at like a, a public event or something. They'll give away like, you know, they'll hand out plastic plates and stuff like that. Like we just realized that we can teach about sustainability through these like fun interactive activities and events and by bringing people into these environments. And it doesn't have to be like, we're scolding you for not being more sustainable and for not connecting with nature. It's like, like this is what you get from connecting with nature. It doesn't have to be some, some like uh, you're doing something wrong and therefore you have to go do this. Um, it's, it's just been a, a tremendous, like, like you said, detox and cleansing to, connect with our environment in this way and we've like we started eating better and taking care of ourselves in better ways um and i connect all of it you know it's it's all connected to harmonizing with the rhythm and the frequency of the earth you know yeah it's it's really interesting because we i use the word to uh detox because you're talking about going off grid right and becoming more sustainable but as i was listening to you i really got a sense of the um of the harmonizing and the attunement to a new to the eco, ecology to the ecological grid and how you you attune to your own rhythms um in that so yeah that was really interesting to listen to so thank you for yeah, sharing right. that i really want to head on um and talk about your community activism but we have a question first from uh, one of our uh, one of our uh, attendees, uh, Aaron asks the, about um, choosing your property. If you could describe the process of how you chose your property, a lot of people on the uh, Eat community are really interested in biodynamics and permaculture and regeneration, mm -hmm. and uh, so people are always interested on you know, how we, the different ways and the varieties to choose properties. Yeah. Locations. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, so I kind of uh, became obsessed with greenhouses and greenhouse technology. And if you're looking for property to do something like this, I suggest that you become obsessed with greenhouses and greenhouse technology too, because you, you'll learn everything you need to know about choosing a property based on how to properly locate and build a greenhouse. Um, so like we made a list of, we absolutely need these things in a property. Like we, we needed Southern facing exposure because in the winter time, if you're trying to grow produce in the winter time, you, there's no way you're going to do it in the Northern hemisphere with, with uh, any, without South facing exposure. So um, there's like, uh, wallapinis, which is like a, an underground greenhouse design where you dig out and use the geothermal energy of the earth to keep the greenhouse warm throughout the year. And you can actually grow. Um, this is like what our, our vision is to, to build one of these um, out uh, on the property uh, where we would be growing like almost tropical produce in the summertime. And then we could still grow uh, like cabbages and broccolis and things like that in the winter time in a wallapini type greenhouse if you have the right setup if you have the right location if you're you know so um yeah we made a, a laundry list of like we need we need certain things like we wanted to be on on high high ground we didn't want to be on low ground didn't want to have to deal with flooding 
Um, so, you know, it was a, it was a dreaming process. Like what, what would we want for our dream home? Um, and then how do we fit that in with like, how do we produce the energy ourselves? How do we produce the, you know, the, um, the things that we would need to be comfortable? Uh, we were like, well, we'll build a greenhouse. It'll be a hundred feet away from our home. And we'll just, you know, shovel a walkway there in the, in the wintertime. My mom was like, shovel the walkway. Are you kidding? <laughs> We're going to build a hallway that's going to connect the house to the greenhouse so that we never have to shovel the walkway in the way. How? So, you know, it's like all of our input and experience coming together to, to it, like realize this, this dream. Um, and we basically, we, we were living in New Jersey and we wanted to find the property in New Jersey, but there was nowhere that we could find that would let us build um, odd structures, you know? <laughs> uh, so we, we basically started looking in a spiral around our property um, north and south and, you know, seeing the different climates. Um, something else we looked at are like grow zones um, and, you know, what we really can grow, how much food we could grow depending on where we're going to be living. Um, we wanted uh, uh, at least uh, 15 acres of land because we wanted to make sure that we could build out our uh, multiple homes and not all be on top of each other, not all have to be in one home. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we there was, like I said, a list of things we, we needed in order to grow food, in order to have the greenhouse be successful. Um, you know, we have this in incredible idea for... for um, integrating a biodigester into a greenhouse where we have what we call a bio bio uh biogas system in a greenhouse um and that's what we're working on getting off the ground um and so you know in order to make sure all of the technology that we wanted to use on site was going to work well it requires certain climates and um you know we talked to experts and made sure that we knew what was required and then we created a it would be nice to have lists, you know, like it'd be nice to have running water on site. It'd be not, it'd be nice to have um, like a, a walkable forest that we could enjoy hiking through without having to build hiking trails. You know um, we just like a needs list and a wants list. And then we use that to go around and look at properties and check things off both lists and see what worked and what didn't work. And um, the, we, when we found when we found the place that we found, it had everything on both lists. And we were like, well, do we keep looking or do we just stop? I mean, why would we keep looking? <laughs> like, what can't find anything better if it has everything on both lists. So we, we pulled the trigger and, um, and we've, we've just been more and more in love with the, with the place ever since. Um, and uh, are looking forward right now. We have like people um, talking to us about investing, developing, our vision out on the property. And um, so we're like excited for what the future holds and um, how this vision is really going to be coming to reality in the next few years. So. Oh, that's yeah. terrific. Thank you so much for sharing that. The um, So as the family has, you know, been transitioning, you have a really close family. I can tell from your story sharing is like, what was it like to um, engage with the local community because uh, you shared earlier that you were inspired to do the um, Haven Market, like Haven Market came out of uh, a need that you all noticed. So uh, can you take us there into that part of the story and how how your family integrated into the community, how you saw these these challenges and what, what your inspiration was? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, 
when we started uh, Camp Haven, like I said, we thought that it was going to be uh, something that people weren't really interested in interacting with until it was all built and beautiful and we could show it off in that way. And, uh, but we lived there and we needed food. <laughs> so we started to travel around to the local grocery stores and find food. And it was really hard to find organic food. It was hard to find vegan options. Um, it was hard to find allergy friendly options. Um, now my family is just, um, you know, nutrition oriented. Uh, I'm a nutritionist myself and we just are aware that, you know, of, of the you know, better quality foods versus, um, you know, the, more commercially available and, and not as healthy options. And we were just like, it, we were shocked kind of that we were so close to New York city and it was really hard to find um, healthy organic produce, even just produce. And we knew that there were farms everywhere because when we looked at the map, we saw massive farm plots everywhere around us. And we were like, you know, what, what's really going on? And we started looking online and realized that um, the more rural you move, the less people are connected to the internet, the less people are connected to computers. So a lot of these farms that we were looking at have like, we're lucky if they had a website, you know, they, 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 they've been working for generations and generations and the way that they had been working and like integrating the new technology and things that were coming out were, is just like, it's difficult for them. And um, because of that, they were struggling. So the farmers around the area are, are struggling to stay alive um and keep their keep their farms going uh and um people are struggling to get food in the area because we knew we couldn't be the only ones we found a couple of local health food stores um and and so basically while my brother and I were doing construction all day my mom would spend 6 hours a day shopping you know driving from location to location because it's a rural area so if you're going to drive anywhere it's going to take you at least 20 minutes to get there um, so she would go from location to location to try to like get what little food we could. And it's like, we're spending all this gas or, you know, like we're driving around like crazy. Like how can we get the food to come to us instead of us trying to go get all the food all the time? Um, and, and so these are just some of the things we were thinking about, you know, at the time. Uh, and we just like this, this on a separate note, we started getting kind of, stir crazy up there on the property, like working there all by ourselves every day, day and night, like 12 hour days working on building stuff. And um, just with the interns and people that were with on the property. And uh, most of the time, just my brother and I and, and my family. And uh, so we, we figured like, let's start going out and connecting with the community. And so we, so we went to some local events and some bars and things like that, that were having events and everything was like around alcohol and everything thing was around junk food and it was just like we're just not into you know we don't want to feel like terrible for the next three days just because we wanted to go have a fun night you know and we 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 get to be as healthy and energized as we can to keep building and, and getting all this off the ground I mean like we built three massive buildings in two years like I mean yeah just the two of us building it <laughs> um and um so we decided like, hey, let's like, how can we start having events and start bringing people to us? Uh, and we went to a farmer's market, met some farmers. Um, they wanted to have some local events. So we were like, hey, well, um, we have some experience hosting events and, and putting on parties and things like that, that we've just done for, you know, different 
groups at different times. And how, what if we host the potluck that you want to have at your farm and we'll, we'll handle the, the community outreach and everything and, and try to broadcast it as far and wide as we can. And um, so we, we, we did that and we, it was a, it was a great potluck. We had like 50 people show up. It was amazing. We were like huge turnout. Um, and so a month later we decided to have one of the people there said, Hey, you know, I would love to have a potluck at my place like this. How, how can we do this at my place? So we connected with them and started having, you know, we, we had the next one at their place and then actually just emailed everybody and said, Hey, who would like to have a potluck at their farm? And we, we, we specifically did it as a potluck for farmers, uh, healers and farmers, because we wanted to um, connect with and celebrate the farmers in our community who are working so hard to create food and they are struggling themselves to survive and to, you know, keep things uh, afloat in their own lives. And so we wanted to celebrate the farmers in our community. And that's what we started the first potlucks around was celebrating the local farmers. And um we had the best food because the farmers were coming and bringing the best food that, you know, and, and it's just like farm fresh, like incredible uh, food that we had. And then I realized that there's like Michelin star chefs in, in New York that are getting this exact food. These ingredients are going to these, you know, ultra fancy restaurants in New York city. Uh, and, and unfortunately people around the area were just not, were not, didn't have access to it. So we started talking to the farmers and more and more farmers coming at the potlucks and, and uh, partnering with the farmers to start what we called Raw Mart. Um, and Raw Mart was a play on words on Walmart because we had wholesale produce. We were like the lowest cost organic produce you can find. We'd get it from the farmers. We get it, you know, um, we would get from distributors in the area also that are local regional distributors who would travel to different farms, get the different produce and deliver it to a local area where we could then offer it to our community and we didn't charge anything. Our goal was to make this a, a human right, not a not a something that's a privilege. You know, we, we wanted to make this as low cost as possible for ourselves, for our family and for everybody else. You know, it's like, why is, you know, why do I have to pay more because I want better quality food that's going to make me a more productive member of society than if I just eat candy all day, you know, or, or um, if this was something in my nutrition work, like if, if I have food allergies, if I'm allergic to gluten or dairy, I have to pay more for my food. Uh, whereas like if you're disabled in any other way, everything has to be shifted and catered to you to make sure that you know, we have equal rights for disabled people and, and not. And um, yeah, so, so we have this, um, you know, with food allergies kind of discrepancy of like, you know, it's just not being respected as a real thing and people are being charged more because they want to eat better because they need to eat better for their own health and well-being. Um, so, so all these things um, set the values for us in place to offer this service at the lowest possible cost we could. Uh, and then we just had like, it turned into a weekend event where every intern and volunteer at the, uh, you know, that we had would work on sorting people's produce and getting the boxes together. And it was like a whole three day event to get everybody's food ready for them to just pick it up on, on Sunday. And we realized like, we need to open a store. Like we just, we were overwhelmed with how many people are wanting this service. And, you know, if we could just open a centralized location, it would really um, help solve 
our, our issues. And Haven Market was birthed from that. Um, and yeah, so was that all word of mouth that you all like, sh- you know, raw mart, was that all done by word of mouth, essentially, yeah, like people I, were just like, how do I get healthy food? Like, I really appreciate the uh, access to healthy food point that you made as a human right. So, and yeah, uh, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like there are so many like micro networks, um, like everyone when we came up there, everyone kind of had the same story. No one really talks to each other around here. Everyone kind of keeps to themselves. And yet everyone that we talk to knows everybody, you know, it's like everybody grew up together. Everybody knows everybody. And like, yeah, they don't spend a lot of time together because everyone has their day-to-day jobs and activities and things that they're doing. And, um, but we, like there, there were just people that we talked to that were plugged into certain networks where just by talking to that one person, we were talking to 500 people behind them. And it's not like 500 people, like part of their email list and like they're some business. It's like, no, there's like people that they, that they're friends with on Facebook, that they're personally friends with that live in the area um, that are dealing with the same everyday problems as everyone else because everyone has to be dealing with those problems if you're living in that area um so it's like connecting with the community and what the community needs really were was like a a whole eye-opener for for me because it's easy to come into a community and say like oh the world needs x y and z so let's provide it for your community um and not like look at who's actually doing work in the community already and trying to like solve these problems already. How can you work with them to facilitate that process and not like try to start something on your own that's not relevant to what's already going on or um, can feel like um, like you're just not connected to the community and what the community actually needs there. Um, so like, I really love how our project evolved from just talking with people and asking people what they needed and like getting so overwhelmed that we kind of needed to do what we did in opening an opening shop. We never intended to open a, a market. That wasn't like our, uh, like we had a pipe dream. Sure. Like one day we'll have a, a market where we can sell our produce that we're growing at the farm, but like, you know, we're not even selling any produce that we grow at the farm. We're selling produce now that we source from local farmers um, and we have local farmers that are growing food just for our market because like they believe in what we're doing and they're willing to offer their produce at a price that works for everybody and then they can they can sell a box of tomatoes instead of having to go to the farmer's market and hope that they sell one or two you know it's like you can sell us a whole tray and we have you know 400 customers a week coming into our store that tray will be sold you know especially that we're not marking anything up the produce is sold at wholesale cost. So like whatever we buy the produce for, we sell the produce for. Um, it couldn't be more accessible for the quality of the produce that you're getting. And because we're so obsessed with quality, we're going in and like anything that's a little bit of mold on it or anything, we pull that immediately. Like everything is is like as high quality as it could be. Um, and we want to showcase what you can do with that. So part of the market is the demonstration kitchen. Um, and this is kind of a tangent, but the demonstration kitchen kind of shows people what's possible with these ingredients because a lot of people have never eaten with gluten-free ingredients before. They've never eaten vegan foods before. And there's a stigma about it that it's not tasty and it's not, uh, it's just like, it's, it's 
not good. <laughs> so we're happy to showcase, you know, how you can incorporate lots of veggies into your diet in a lot of healthy, delicious ways, you know, and it doesn't have to be something where um, it's a restrictive, you know, I'm on a diet and I need to eat this way. It's like when you're, when you taste what food tastes like when it's freshly grown and right off the plant, I mean, it, it doesn't compete with any magnificently prepared, you know, dish. It's like in its own categories, like you, you bite into a tomato fresh off the vine or, or a pepper. It's like, you know, so cutting up a pepper that was picked a few hours ago and putting it into a quesadilla for a customer that, you know, it's like, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's just incredible. And, and people are um, really, and they enjoy the food. And we love having these, these kind of like workshops and educational experiences where we can teach people different ways of preparing food and, um, or make foods custom for people based on allergies that they have and things like that. So yeah, it's a, it's just this holistic uh, experience at this point where we're building on top of the needs of everybody and what, what they all wanted. Um, yeah. It's so interesting to hear about how all the, um, all the opportunities showed up and you met the needs. And before we move on, cause I do want to hear more about the, um, about the, the market and the community. And um, can you share a little bit of, context about the community because you've said it a couple times like this community here what makes it special and unique uh, because we have people from all over the world on every continent so if we could give a little bit of context about the 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 demographics of the community where in the where you're located so and how because you've mentioned that you're kind of close to new york city but give let's give our listeners a little bit of context about the the special place that you're in yes thank you it is a special place um so it's um it's the lower catskill mountains and the upper hudson river valley um and uh it, it there is a very strong spiritual connection to the land where we are um you it's very not developed. It's a very rural um, area. And um, there are basically small little hamlets where there's business happening, one or two streets where um, there might be a grocery store um, and, and um, you know, a hardware store, things like that. Um, and then basically there's just land on average, people have a couple of acres of land uh, around. Um, it's land is really inexpensive around because people think of land; they think I have to take care of all of this. It seems like a burden to to most people to have uh, land when you're so far away from development, when you're so far away from the cities. Um, and we've experienced that, you know, like oh, we have let's have this long driveway to get to our place so that we can keep our house in the woods and feel that we're tucked away from, from the road. And then realizing we have to plow that driveway every winter <laughs> in order to get out, you know, like things that we didn't, we didn't um, consider would be like, you know, harder than we thought to do. It literally some, some snowfalls that we've had, we, we just got barricaded in. We had to call for help and had people bring us food because we couldn't get out. There's nothing we could do. 
Um, and the snows haven't been that bad recently. Um, you know, wintertime, a lot of snowbirds are in our area. So when it snows, I'd say 50% of the people that live around our area go south for, for the winter. Um, so there's the winter time to consider. There's the fact that everybody has a certain amount of land to consider. Um, and there's a lot of um, farms around. It is a rural community. So uh, technology, like I was saying earlier, hasn't really caught up to uh, the times there. Like people are like people are just starting to incorporate, you know, the internet into their. I mean, while we were there, we got like we got cell phone service, at, you know, in our town while we were already living there. So like, this is like really just now happening, like forget internet cell phone. Like we just had regular cell phone magically appear one day while we were already living there. We were so grateful that we could, um, you know, at least we had 3G internet, uh, you know, 3G phone service now. So when it comes to people's perception of what life is like, in more rural areas, even in the US. So we're not even, I'm not even talking about, we're talking about New York. You know, it's like um, infrastructure is just not what, you know, what it is in, in the cities. Um, and so what we did learn is that while it might be, you know, lacking in, in that respect, the community connection is the richest we've ever experienced in our lives. I mean, we come from New Jersey. We come from a, a, a I mean, I don't even know how many people were in our town, um, the most densely populated state in the country. Um, it, it just thousands of people everywhere you look, there's people everywhere doing their thing, living their lives. And we didn't feel connected to anybody. We didn't even know who our neighbors were on either side of our house for, you know, we lived for, um, you know, 18, 19 years, maybe 20 years in that house. And on the day we were moving out, one of our neighbors was jogging by and they said, oh, are you moving in? Hi, well, I wanted to introduce myself. <laughs> we're like, no, we're actually leaving um, because we don't feel like we're a part of this community, I guess, you know, maybe that was really, you know, uh, um, I know there are lots of communities and ways of plugging into the community, no matter where you are. But um, when we moved into the rural more rural area it's like people rely on each other more for survival because you you just you just need to um there's a lot more respect uh it seems like between people in general and um uh just something about this energy and and flow here where um people will give you time you know it's like time slows down um, if you, you ask somebody, hi, how are you? And that's not just like a question, like they actually stay with you and talk with you about how you are and what's going on. You know, it's like um, people seem to care a lot more about other people and and just treat people with more respect and more love and compassion. And we were like blown away by this. Just driving down the street, you just wave to everybody in our town. Everyone knows if you're from Livingston Manor because you're you're those guys that wave to people when they see them on the street. like. I don't know. It's a thing that we just started. We just picked up because we saw everybody else doing it in our town. And now you know, that's like what everybody does. It's just a, um, and I do think there's something about like we, uh, one town before us is Liberty or a couple towns before us is Liberty, New York. And, and uh, it's more of a suburb. Um, it, it wouldn't be considered a rural area. It's more developed. More people are there. 
Um, and uh, a lot of people in our community come from Liberty up to us because they're like, you know, they, they, they're craving that aspect of what we feel is kind of like, um, it, it's easier to find in a more rural area because people are more dependent on each other, we've found. Um, and what that creates is a lot of opportunity and a lot of um, kind of scarcity too, because it's like, there's a lot of land and a lot of distance between everybody and everyone wants to connect and they want to feel like they're a part of a community, but truly it's hard to connect. We work all day and then I have to drive half an hour to Sally's house down the road. It's, you know, that's, it's difficult. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to be able to go get a cup of coffee and talk to the 15 people that are in the coffee shop with you. You know, it's like, we, we feel more connected in that way, but in this way, you've known Sally your whole life and you don't, you don't only talk to those people in the coffee shop for a few minutes. You know, it's like, it's a different level of connection that we're talking about. And we were really happy to solve that problem and create a hub and like bring people together for events and community gatherings based around health and well-being and celebrating the people in the community that are helping us all be healthier, you know, and, um, and not have it be like a vacation where we all get drunk and eat, garbage food and feel like we have to recover for four days from this party that we went to. It's like um, everyone feels energized uh, leaving uh, one of our potlucks, one of our events, you know, and, and um, can't wait to come back and share in the uh, bounty and the abundance that we all are offering to each other and sharing with each other. And, um, and that's really like what it's all about because through interaction, through having conversations, that's that's what that's where you learn what's going on for people. That's where you actually connect with the reality of the situation and can create strategic partnerships to um, to solve problems like on a more global scale, more larger community scale, uh, and not just you know if if you have a problem or if someone in your community has a problem, there's probably 50 other people in your community with the same exact problem who just haven't said anything yet. You know, so like think about that. You know, these things are these things are not you know unique to the people that are talking to you. And how can we, uh, you know, cooperate and really work together to to build something new and and to create you know a new opportunity for for somebody. And um, so yeah, yeah. As you're talking, I'm kind of wondering too. Like, how did you decide to take this? Um, you know, this. So you're you're spiraling, you used the spiral image earlier um, when you're talking about how you found your land. So it's like a, the spiral of um, harmony and community and, and uh, values. How did you spiral that into, like how did you decide to, to go into the nonprofit uh, direction with uh, when, you know, how did you decide it was time? Like you, you know, you were surprised by having to get a store. It came up a little bit earlier than you were ex expecting. And yeah. um, I also wanted to add to this because you can weave into your answer as well. Uh, uh, Ree was asking if there were any um, industry trends or anything. So share with us a little bit about like how you decided on your business model and what you see coming up next. Yeah. 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 So with, um, with the business model and how we decided to go the nonprofit route, um, we are all about education. We are all about supporting people in 
empowerment of, of who they are and their understanding. Um, and like the analogy of um, like fishing and you want to, do you want to give somebody a fish or teach them how to fish? My whole life, my mom and dad, that's been our philosophy. Like we have always taken people into my home um, that needed support. That's just like something that my family has always done. Um, and uh, we're always about not just supporting you with a, a bed for the night and some food, but like, let's talk about what's going on. How, why are you stuck in this situation? What's going on for you? How do, how can we support you and moving forward? And, um, uh, so I guess like, you know, a lot of it, I have to, I have to give a lot of credit to my mom and dad for, you know, uh, instilling in us a lot of the values that created a lot of what I'm doing now in my life. And, um, they didn't really figure out how to live in alignment with their values, but they instilled them in us in a way that allowed me to now figure out a way that we could live in alignment with our values, you know, in, in this way. So, um, we wanted to live our work. You know, we didn't want to go to work and do something that's not in alignment with who we are and then come back home. Um, so that was a fundamental thing. Um, if we want to live our lives and, um, for lack of a better word, kind of monetize our own lives. Like I am, I am the business. The way that I live my life is the business. It is the model. It is the philosophy. Um, therefore, uh, how can we invite people into our experience to learn from us um, and, and turn, and, and turn that into an educational experience that they can build off of in their own lives. Um, and so, again, uh, we kind of just fell into the nonprofit question of like, well, um, instead of trying to do things to make money and make it a for-profit uh, question, um, what if we could tell people about what we we're doing and uh, open ourselves up as an educational experience? Again, our expenses are very low. Uh, which which is good for a nonprofit because um, you know you don't you don't have a lot to invest in creating amazing things for people to buy from you or you know how, how most businesses approach their um, the way that they make money. Um, so we wanted to see like if if our goal is education and we want to basically educate people about our lifestyle, what is a business model that would fit that? <laughs> Um, and, and that's where we fell on nonprofits. We were like, wait, the, with nonprofits, we, um, we get the, we get tax benefits. Um, we are an educational nonprofit, you know, 501c3 registered nonprofit. We're an educational nonprofit. Um, everything that we do is centered around education and we, um, we're just, we're, we're able to do exactly what we wanted to be able to, um, not go to work and live a separate life from the life that we actually want to um, be in alignment with. So it was like, uh, again, we need food. How do we turn our adventure to find good food into something we can educate other people about and have these kinds of conversations about, you know? And, um, you know, so, I mean, it's really hard to explain how we've done a lot of research on every little aspect of the lifestyle 
everything from like the way you go to the bathroom, what happens when you flush the water, you know, where things go, um, what are you using to brush your teeth? Why are we brushing our teeth? Why are we brushing our hair? Why are we even doing these things? Where do these things come from? Um, I like, know, these are all really good questions. So I'm curious to know, what was the oddest thing that you questioned? Like, what you know, the, the thing that you're um, like, I can't believe I questioned this. Like, that, that was you know, a surprise. I, 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 don't, I don't, I can't put my finger on like what it was for me, but I will say that, um, the bathroom situation, the fact that we have composting toilets and composting, um, you know, composting system. Um, it was mind blowing to me that we can have a composting system where we're using nothing but five gallon buckets and sawdust and like readily available materials from nature. And there's no smell, there's no rats or flies or all these things that we're told, you know, are gonna, you know, be the way they are. And like walking people through that experience Again, a lot of people come to us from New York City, never been in nature before. You know, having to go to the bathroom in a bucket is a crazy, crazy thing to tell them to do. <laughs> um, but it's it's like when you it's scary in your mind and then you go experience it. And it's like, well, that very pleasant. There's nothing to that, really. It's like there's this. Um, so I think that. Um, yeah, just the, you know, that's probably the number one thing that, that comes to mind that like, uh, is like shocking to me. Like I just, in your mind, you think that it's going to be this, like you're going to be dealing with sewage and all these like awful things. And it's like, it's actually a lot easier to deal with than, than people give it credit for. There's systems that have been developed like back in the sixties to do all of that type of stuff in a, in a healthy way for the environment. So you actually create compost that you can use on. So we would like, you know, we have the richest compost that we could possibly have and years and years of it. And we just spread it throughout the forest and let the forest enjoy it. And, you know, it's like um, a real way of an integrating with, with the local, um, you know, <laughs> ecosystem. Yeah. The yeah. ecosystem. So we have just a couple minutes left. So we want to hear like what your, what's next for you all. Um, and we do have a question, like uh, someone's asking about, uh, do you do, are you involved with a sharing economy at all, like tools and resources, like that kind of thing? Is that something you all are, that's a little bit of a detour, yeah, I mean, but like, yeah, real quick. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a good question. I mean, I feel like that's a part of what I mean by like these micro communities. And when you start interacting with people who are in, uh, who have been plugged into their community for so long, um, everyone's sharing different tools and um, you know, tips, advice, like we could not have gotten anywhere without our neighbors and their help and everything that the community supported us with, with even just know-how, you know, um, understanding what winter's actually going to be like uh, versus the thought that we had in our heads and like preparing our, preparing us accordingly. Like, yeah, definitely um, it, it's, it's a group effort. Absolutely. Yeah. So it sounds like it was more like an informal, not, not so much a, formal community like tool sharing you know because sometimes there are like lending libraries and things like that but it sounds like it was more yeah. informal and spontaneous kind of experience for you all so we have just a couple minutes left we're almost that was it's been really nice uh talking with you and listening to your story thank you so much for being with us and we want to hear like what your what's next for you like 
where is the next community vision and and uh, how are you going to get there? Yeah, thank and, you. So and much. also, if people want to join, like, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, so uh, haven.us.org is our website, and we're going to keep that up to date with our future happenings. Um, we are uh, actually in the process of launching a for-profit now um, that is going to help fund the nonprofit, um, again, to, to support this vision and dream of building out this international network of centers all around the world. Um, and so uh, the for-profit is going to be educating uh, uh, coaches in this philosophy of holistic well-being and be able to um, uh, find those passionate people in communities around the world who uh, want to learn about this stuff and how they're integrated with their community and their ecosystem and how they can start solving problems. And, and hopefully we can, we can really support them in building out these Haven centers uh, all around the world. So that's our dream and our vision. If you're interested in, in opening a center like this, please reach out to us. We'd love to uh, talk about what your vision is and how we can support you um, and just keep in touch with our emails. Uh, that's where we'll be letting you know of any updates. And as soon as the, uh, you know, community, new, new virtual community stuff that we're working on is available. We're going to be letting everyone know that as well. So that is the future for now. Um, yeah, just, to, you know, we're, we're excited for everything we're building and, and, and how it's all coming together. So thank you very much for having me here. And yeah, it's been a great conversation. So yeah, really appreciate your time joining us. Uh, it was really inspirational. Uh, there are some hearts flowing up on the uh, on the live stream. So thank you very much for the applause. Uh, people really appreciated hearing. We always we always laugh about the composting toilets. You know that's one of the one of the uh, common threads. Like you know how do you how do you deal with those common everyday things? And yeah. you know, food, food accessibility and food security. So thank you so much for sharing your passion with us today. Uh, we look forward to uh, catching up with you again uh, in the future. So please still be in touch with us. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, thank Mark. You, so much. you can thank you, Eat Community and Mark. You can. Hey, everybody. I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the EAT community podcast.